This is Drew Kaiser, and you're listening to Wide Margins, Episode 28, Dangerous Playground. A few weeks ago, I posted an episode, I think it was called uh, Selfies, and it was on social media, and I promised to give you some more like that. And uh, that's what this is. Dangerous Playground is a working title for some material I'm working on that I hope will be useful in classes in the church. Uh, teaching Christians how to safely use social media. Dangerous Playground is another name for social media. It is a playground. There's a lot of fun things to do on there. You can communicate with friends. You can keep up with family. See all those pictures of your nieces and nephews and grandchildren. Uh, You can connect around the world. You can stay up to date on things. But we also need to recognize there are some dangers there. And so... Uh, that's what I'm wanting to talk about today on the podcast. I'm getting ready to present this material in a class form starting next week, so I thought this would be a good time for me to experiment on my guinea pigs out there listening on the podcast, and uh, it'll help me, and maybe sharing some of this will be helpful to you. Today's episode is not going to be focused on any one particular aspect of social media it's it's kind of a catch-all and I will throw out a lot of points that I have been thinking about over the last several months as I've been putting this stuff together so you're not getting the whole class in one episode and I'm not going to do a long series on this since I'm also teaching it in class but I'll give you you know just a hint of some of the things that we will be talking about and I wonder if many of us are really ready to make the sacrifices that are necessary to be a disciple of Christ in the context of all of this technology that makes all of these things available to us. It's a very difficult thing, and we have to remember how much Jesus asks of us. He asks a lot. One passage that comes to mind is Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. So what he's saying, and I believe he's speaking figuratively here, If your eye is interfering with your soul's progress and it's going to keep you from going to heaven, it's better to pluck your eye out and throw it away than to throw your whole body away. And if your your hand is interfering with your your spiritual life and it's going to keep you from from heaven, it's better to cut your hand off and throw it away than to go to hell. Now, he's not suggesting that anybody throw their eyeballs and their hands away. He's trying to make a point here that I think is very obvious. Nothing is more important than your soul. But if Jesus is asking us to to throw away our eyes and our hands, don't you think that could extend to the lesser part of us, not even a part of us, uh, our smartphones? If your smartphone is interfering with you, I think it goes into the category of things that are not as important as your soul and should be thrown away. 
I'm not advocating that anybody throws away their cell phone. I'm just trying to put things in perspective here. Uh, I remember a friend of mine was trying to make this point when he was uh, preaching a sermon one time, and he and he got up in the pulpit with his iPhone and his iPad, and he started talking about all the problems and distractions that they were causing. And he says, you know, he's making his point. He said, it's just so distracting. It's bringing so many temptations into our lives. It's ruining so much spiritually. We don't need it. We can do without it. And in one movement, he spun around and tossed his phone and his iPad into the baptistry behind him and, of course, ruined them immediately. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised by that. Everybody remembers that sermon that day. Um, but he, made, he makes a good point. We've got to be willing to sacrifice these devices if they're getting in the way. I don't think you have to sacrifice the device themselves. I think what we need to do is learn to set boundaries, which I'll talk about in a moment. Learn to put things in perspective and think about what's important. Think about what the most important things in life are, which is what Jesus was doing with the rich young ruler when he came to him and he said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? The first thing that Jesus did when the young man asked him what good deed he should do to inherit eternal life is he started reorienting for the ruler the idea of what good means. Because the ruler was thinking, my deeds are good, and my wealth is good, and these good things are enough to make me happy. And Jesus brought out at first, why do you call me good as a teacher? There's no one good but God. In other words, the only good thing that you can orient your life to is God. Only God can make you happy. Which he realized after Jesus told him to keep the commandments, he said, this is what I've done. But the young man knew he lacked something, so he asks, what do I lack? And Jesus said, you're still trying to hold on to things as good when they're not good. You're putting things before God. You're making idols. So sell all of your possessions, give to the poor, and follow me. And of course, the man went away sorrowful, for he was very rich. In other words, he worshipped money. He wasn't willing to throw it away. If we worship our technology and our social media, we're going to be very unhappy and walk away from God very dissatisfied. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. I just know that we do. And so we're going to talk about a little of this, raising awareness, maybe learning a little something. Maybe you have some ideas that could be added to this. I would love to hear them. But here are some suggestions that I can come up with to keep us injury-free on this dangerous playground we call social media. Number one, set boundaries. Uh, set boundaries for yourself. Your parents aren't around anymore to tell you how long you should spend on these things or where you should use them. So be a grown-up and set boundaries. Uh, these devices and social media take up tremendous amounts of time. Studies are showing that teenagers are spending something like two hours a day on social media alone. 
nine hours a day uh, online, period. Streaming music, television, looking at social media, scrolling around, uh, surfing the net, nine hours a day. That's way too much, I think we would all agree, and it's a violation of the principle Paul put forth in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, which is to make the best use of time. Uh, most of the time we're just staring into an empty void when we're looking at social media. That's not making the best use of time. It's also not making the best use of places. I think that we need to set some boundaries about where we use social media. The dinner table, for example, should never be a place where we're using social media. I guess if you're sitting there by yourself, but I'm talking about the table where your family is sitting trying to have a meal together and have a rare moment where they can learn more about each other and bond together. Too many times families are all sitting there looking at their devices and not talking to one another in the rare moment that they have to, to do that very important relating and communicating with one another. It's a very sad thing. And it's not just the dinner table. Don't take it into church. If you're in school, don't take it into the classroom when you should be any anything that should demand your focus, 100% of your focus, is not a place where your phone should be present. At the very least, turn the ringer off and put it upside down so that it can't distract you at all, which is something I'm about to do now. I turn this recorder on without silencing my phone, and I'm going to regret it in a moment if I don't turn the ringer off and turn it upside down where I can't see that any messages or anything are coming through. So that's the first thing, set boundaries. Number two, here's, here's a really important one for me. Put people first. A person is a human being in flesh and blood who is sharing the same space with you. Put that person before the pixels and glass that is in your pocket. So if you're talking to somebody, of course, don't try to do that while texting somebody in the virtual world. But I think this should also apply to phone calls. In the past, you know, there were emergency phone calls and somebody would have to come get you and ask you to come to a phone because you got an emergency call. That's one thing. Nowadays, we use our phones a lot more for text messages and calls because it's so convenient and you never can get away from your phone. And we just impulsively pick the phone call over the person who went to the trouble of being in the same space with us. And I think it's very rude, but I also think it's dehumanizing because we're forgetting who the most important uh, communicate what the most important communication is. The most important communication is face-to-face -face communication. That's where you can see the uh, involuntary communication going on. You can hear the tone of the voice. You're going to some trouble to be in that situation. That should always take precedence over a phone call or a text message, of course, or especially scrolling around on social media. Number three, develop uh, develop empathy. Empathy is the ability to sense what the other person is feeling. And we should be able to do this naturally only when we're doing it and it's mediated through a computer screen. We forget sometimes that the persona 
the virtual persona we're looking at has a real person behind it. So this is where cyberbullying comes in. This is where hatred, there's a lot of hatred and vitriol on the internet, critical comments, trolling, all of that stuff that is, all, most of it's a recent phenomenon. Um, all of that has come up lately because when, we're, when our communications are mediated through a screen, we forget that we're talking to a real human being. And there are a couple of things that, that do that for us, that, that keep us from empathizing. One is self-interest. We think about ourselves. Social media feeds that. I mean, it's designed, and the very you log on to Facebook, and the very first thing you see at the top of the page is a big box, a big empty box that says something like, what's going on with you today? So the very first thing that it's wanting you to do is talk about yourself. And self-interest gets you into your own head and takes you away from thinking about others, which is the opposite of what Paul teaches in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, where he says, count others more significant than yourselves. So that's the first thing that uh, is an obstacle to empathy. The second thing that's an obstacle to empathy is just the limits of your own experiences. You've only had so many experiences. You can't know what it's like to live everybody else's lives. And so in order to develop empathy, and you can do this throughout your whole life, is you broaden your horizons, you get more experiences, you stretch yourself outside of your comfort zone. You can go to you can serve in a soup kitchen, you can do a service project at your church that puts you in contact with some people in your community you normally wouldn't mingle with, you can visit the elderly in nursing homes, um, go on a mission trip to a foreign country, that's a really good way to develop empathy with people that you wouldn't other, otherwise come into contact with. There are lots of ways to do this, it's just very important to have empathy in a world where we're distancing ourselves through our technology. So do that. Here's another suggestion. Demand privacy. Demand that some things stay to yourself. I've been thinking about this one a lot, and it's, it's hard to really wrap my brain around why this is important, but it has something to do with human dignity. You know, God created us with dignity. He, uh, David said in Psalm 8, verse 5, that he crowned us with glory and honor. And Paul is always telling Timothy and Titus to conduct themselves with dignity. He does that in 1 Timothy. He says we ought to have a dignified life, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And he tells Titus to conduct himself with dignity in Titus chapter 2, verse 7. Uh, Peter tells his readers to conduct themselves honorably in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. So we are created to be dignified creatures. Dignity demands that we keep some secrets. Secrets are, are very important because only your closest friends and loved ones can handle your secrets. A secret says that there is a lot to you, that there is depth to you that you're an interesting person. Mystery 
tells people that that you're important and it's you're worth getting to know but if you just blurt everything out on social media you don't seem like a very interesting person you do it to try to be interesting but the the opposite happens when you put everything out there and you don't keep some things private and off limits to a group of strangers that you don't even know you're not interesting at all to be interesting you you keep some things to yourself that are shared only with the truest relationships in your life only those people get to because those are the people who can handle the most vulnerable and weak weak parts of of yourself your entire self your complete self God is the one who can handle it the best which is a good thing because he already knows us inside and out but the next example after him I guess would be a a husband or a wife that's why sex is supposed to be saved for marriage because sex is one of the most vulnerable things that there is and it should only be for a person who's fully committed to you for a whole lifetime but in addition to that there are other secrets that should only be shared with people that you can truly trust and the online world is not a world that you can trust that's why you have to be careful about platforms like snapchat where you are under the impression that you can share some of these secrets but they disappear uh, because I guess the idea in addition to hiding things from your parents the idea is well I can share this little thing and it can disappear and just live in the mind of the stranger on the other end but there's no evidence or proof that could be used against me if this isn't a trustworthy person but of course they can screenshot it and keep it and use it against you and that kind of thing is done all of the time so be wise about what you share share sparingly and only when necessary keep keep things private let there be some mystery about you don't give things out to complete strangers who have no right to those things this next point is kind of related to that and that's know the difference between the physical world and the virtual world I started to frame this know the difference between the real world and the virtual world but the virtual world is real in a sense, isn't it? Because there are, there's, of course, a lot of fantasy in the virtual world, but there's also a lot of reality there as well. So if there's a true report on a news story, well, that's real. If there is, uh, you know, a picture of a family outing, that's real. So it's not fair to say the virtual world is not real. And it can be useful in a lot of ways. Communication is one way. But also sociologists are now exploring how these virtual worlds are useful places for us to develop our sense of self. We can get out of our ordinary experiences and experiment around with our identities and see who we are. And that's way over my head, but... There's some research on that that's pretty interesting. For now, I think we just need to focus on the fact that there are a lot of worlds out there. Heaven is one. We have not yet experienced that. Hell is another. We don't want to experience that. There's the virtual world, 
And then there is the physical world, and that's the one we can experience with our five senses. And we need to learn to operate in the physical world. That's a priority right now, because if we don't learn how to operate in the physical world, then we cannot have a successful life. Um, I was thinking about some ways in which the virtual world is different than the physical world and needs to be kept distinguished from the physical world. Here, here are some things I came up with. Uh, here are things you cannot do in the physical world. Friending someone you have never met. Unfriending people without any social consequences. Always having friends in easy reach and never being alone regardless of the time or the day or the location. That's what makes, well, I'm save that for, for the next point. Transcending space to connect to the entire world. Uh, here's one. Constructing, editing, and performing a self or a persona that has no physical existence. You can make up a person and pretend to be that person in the virtual world. You can kind of do that in the physical world, but not as easily. Being able to deliberate in order to give nonchalant responses in digital communication. You can take some time to think, and you can just be screaming your head off in the physical world while typing out a carefully crafted response that makes you seem cool and collected. And then finally, feeling important enough to be heard by anyone regardless of position. What I mean by that is you're able to post and respond to uh, celebrities, politicians, important thinkers in the world. You can put things up on their Facebook page. They may not notice it or respond to it. You can tweet to them. You can retweet them. You can engage with them in the virtual world in ways you'd never be able to uh, in the real world, or I should say the physical world. Now, the virtual world may be really nice, and there may be some very interesting things that you can do there, but it's not the world that we have to learn to operate in in order to be happy and have a successful life. Don't confuse your virtual life with your physical life. You may have 5,000 followers on Twitter, but that doesn't mean you have any real friends in the physical world. And you may be able to build a persona online that impresses other people, at the same time, you may be really struggling socially at work to, to succeed and make ends meet. On social media, you might feel smart and, um, you know, with, with the times because you've had time to think and, you know, put together a response. But in the real world, when you're talking face to face, you may have a really hard time communicating with people. You've got to overcome all the discomfort and awkwardness of the real world so that you can be successful. You don't have to have the virtual world. That may change one day, but right now I know a lot of people who are off the grid. They don't use social media at all. I would like for them to at least listen to podcasts, but we haven't gotten there yet. They're totally off the grid and they can be very successful people. I hope it remains that way. For right now that's the way that it is. But it is impossible for you to be happy and successful off out of the physical world if you remove yourself from the physical world and you don't know how to cope with it or operate inside of it. So know the difference. Know the difference. Uh, here's another one. Encourage others. There's a lot of negativity on social media. 
How about some positive things? Use encouragement. Mark Twain said one time that he could live a whole week on just one compliment. So compliments uh, can really lift people up, and there's all kinds of ways to do that online. You can um, just post something to people. A lot of people like to, every day, uh, say happy birthday to whoever in their friend list has a birthday. That's a really encouraging thing to do. Uh, you can send messages and uh, retweet somebody's statement they made that they feel is really important or at least like their things. Uh, that helps as well. Uh, you don't want to replace the old-fashioned stuff like uh, just putting your arm around somebody and telling them they're special or sending them a card or making a visit when they're in the hospital. All of that needs to continue, but social media can enhance our efforts to encourage one another, and that makes it a really good tool. Next, turn from worthless things. There are a lot of problems that make social media a dangerous playground. Probably the worst one is how much time is wasted, how much time and intellectual energy is wasted on social media. I know that there are other problems like hatred and impurity and bullying and fear of missing out and there are studies that show that you're more depressed after you use social media than before you use it. There are those things as well, but I think the most insidious part of it is the waste. Just the worthless things that we spend all the time uh, studying and looking at. Uh, in C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, he introduces this idea, one demon is writing to another demon about how to take man down, and he introduces the nothing strategy. Just get him thinking and talking about nothing, and that will be his undoing. And it really is, if we spend our whole lives thinking and dwelling upon nothing, then Satan has won, because God wants us to think about the weighty, the valuable things in life, the important things, things of the soul. I love this prayer recorded in Psalm 119, verse 37, which says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. If that prayer could be on our lips every day, I don't think we'd have any trouble regulating ourselves on social media. Finally, uh, I want to say this. Get real help. If you're depressed or you're in trouble or you're having a panic attack or something, do not get out your phone, go to Facebook, and post some plea for help. Don't tear somebody down in this ambiguous way that I've seen. Don't talk to somebody as if you're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation in front of all your friends. Don't put out a panic plea for help. It's tempting to do that because of what I said a while ago. In the virtual world, you have hundreds, maybe thousands of friends at your fingertips all the time. And you may get an immediate reaction of, you know, we're praying for you, or a thumbs up, or a heart, or some kind of symbol like that, or a nice comment. And maybe they are praying for you, maybe not. But a few moments later, whatever help you get is gone, and you still feel lousy. As I said, studies show you feel worse after social media 
than you do before social media. So if you're really struggling emotionally, why would you go to social media for the help? The better thing to do is to confide in a real, breathing, flesh-and-blood human being. Go get into a real human relationship. Let them see your tears. Deal with the awkwardness of human interaction. Hear yourself as you try to express your emotions um, and uh, see the reaction of people to that. Find somebody who will listen. I know that's easier said than done because there are a lot of selfish people out there and maybe you're somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of relationships in your life. I think a lot of times we have more than we than we believe and we could we could have this if we worked at it a little bit. If you're a Christian and you worship with a group of people, you already have an automatic community there of people who will listen and there's somebody there who will if you'll just step out of your comfort zone and ask them to help. They're not going to go up to you necessarily and notice that you're having a hard time. You may have to ask them if you could talk to them. Some of you are in places or churches where there's a support group for whatever it is you're going through. Maybe it's substance abuse or grief, and those are always good. But find somebody who can really help you. Maybe you need to go see a counselor or a psychologist or something. There's no shame in that. Talk to your doctor about it, but get real help instead of turning to social media. It's just not going to get the job done. Uh, You can encourage others on it, and there's some value to that. But when you're in a serious problem, social media is just not going to get the job done. Those are some of the things that I'm going to be fleshing out and thinking about more uh, the next quarter when I teach these classes at my church and it helps me to work through them on the podcast. I thought about doing a whole series on this stuff, but I think it's just going to be too much focus on social media, so I have some other plans for a series, and of course a lot of conversations and individual episodes that I want to do, so I hope that you'll continue to follow and listen. I appreciate so much the feedback that I'm getting. If you have a minute and you haven't done so already, Take time to go to uh, iTunes and leave a review, get the ratings up. That helps my podcast get out to more people. Uh, Tell somebody about it. Let them know what's going on. That's always helpful. And most importantly, just stay tuned and keep listening to Wide Margins.